I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If movie sequels are the lifeblood that keeps the wheels of Hollywood turning, then prequels are often what happens when the studios have sucked the blood from the stone, but keep on chewing anyway. Now, that isn't to rubbish all prequels by any means, because in the sci-fi genre alone, the likes of Star Trek 09, X-Men First Class, and Rise of the Planet of the Apes have certainly proven the potential for greatness. But that said, more often than not, prequels end up feeling less than compared to what came before, typically just rehashing what worked the first time for a new generation, or demystifying elements of the mythology which never actually needed explaining. And then there are these nine sci-fi movie prequels today, which for all intents and purposes themselves so hard, they actually managed to make the rest of the franchise a bit stinky. I'm Josh from WhatCulture.com, and these are the nine worst sci-fi movie prequels. Number nine, The Thing 2011. The fact that this 2011 prequel to John Carpenter's 1982 sci-fi horror classic The Thing literally recycles the same title without variation speaks to just how unimaginative, even pointless, a movie it is. The Thing 2011 attempts to provide a compelling lead-in to the events of its 1982 predecessor, but ultimately feels more like a lazy, warmed-over remake than a prequel with anything new to add to the mythos. Now, Mary Elizabeth Winstead at least makes for a compelling hero, but even a basic level of visceral enjoyment is ruined by Universal deciding that the originally shot practical effects had to be painted over in post-production with garish, unconvincing CGI. Why did they do this? I mean, look at this practical stuff. That looks awesome. This could have been cool, but it was all replaced for CG that wouldn't be convincing in a Saturday morning show. As a result, the prequel is not unlike the titular shapeshifter itself, a shambling, grotesque abomination trying to pass itself off as something it just isn't. Number 8. X-Men Origins Wolverine X-Men Origins Wolverine was the first of a planned but mercifully cancelled series of X-Men prequels focused on the genesis of its mainline superheroes. And though Origins Wolverine at least benefited from the charisma avalanche that is Hugh Jackman, it still committed most of the cardinal prequel movie sins, namely over-explaining the title character's beginnings in a way that contradicted some previous story elements, might I add, and overloading itself with low-effort fanservice. And to be fair, low-effort really describes the film all around. Even with its stonking $150 million budget, the CGI frequently looks terrible, and the film's butchery of fan-favorite hero Deadpool should have been enough to have everyone involved sent to movie jail, or at least shot in the toe with an adamantium bullet. Basically, watch the first 10 minutes for the undeniably snazzy opening title sequence, which depicts Logan and Sabretooth fighting throughout historic wars, and then just turn it off. Number 7. Q. 
Cube Zero. 1997's ingenious indie horror film Cube clearly should have been a one and done affair, given that there's only so much that can be done with the premise of people waking up in a series of trap-filled interconnected cubes. If the original film sensibly refused to reveal who was behind the cube, the preposterously titled 2002 sequel Cube 2 Hypercube revealed that it was created by a weapons contractor whose name I don't even remember. It was boring. Realising that the series had no more forward momentum, the decision was then made to release a prequel in 2004 with Cube Zero. Though the film is smart enough to shift the focus to those actually controlling the cube and tones down the silly CGI-infused hooey of Cube 2, there's really only a short film's worth of quality material here. Between its atrocious dialogue, stupid characters, and over-reliance on gross-out gore, Cube Zero lacks the creativity to be anything more than a boring exercise in brand extension. Number 6. The Cloverfield Paradox Remember when the prospect of a Cloverfield universe was actually exciting? I do. I was hyped to all hell after seeing the second movie. But following the release of said movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane, a third film in the series was released, which would at once serve as both a sequel and a prequel to the events of the prior two flicks. The Cloverfield Paradox, which, like 10 Cloverfield Lane, was an original sci-fi thriller adapted into a Cloverfield movie during production, is set in 2028, and is centered around a cataclysmic particle accelerator accident that opens portals to parallel universes in the past. Basically, the film explains how the monsters in the first two movies showed up. Honestly, it's a pretty solid idea, except that despite some enticing visuals and a fantastic ensemble cast, the Cloverfield Paradox's clunky script has nowhere interesting for its promising elements to go. It feels cheap as well, and single-handedly made the Cloverfield franchise stamp feel a bit like the Netflix original stamp, a last-minute attempt to save a movie that nobody would have cared about otherwise. Number 5. Tremors 4 The Legend Begins Tremors truly is the cockroach of the movie world, given that the modest success of the 1990 original sci-fi horror comedy would have led few to believe that it would still be clinging to life 30 years later, with the seventh film, Tremors Shrieker Island, awesome name by the way, due to release later this year. And to be fair, the franchise as a whole is hardly awful, largely thanks to the continued involvement of Michael Gross, the only actor to have appeared in all seven films, having been upgraded from an initial supporting player to the flat-out lead once Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward both bailed. But not even Gross's presence as gun-toting survivalist Burt Gummer can save franchise prequel Tremors 4 The Legend Begins, because Gross is instead forced to play Gummer's great-grandfather, Haram. Though the Wild West set concept had enough potential, Haram makes for an uninteresting Burt substitute. While the movie's depressingly low amount of action and generally uninspired origin story make it feel wholly undercooked. As amusing as the idea of a western-themed Tremors movie is, The Legend Begins doesn't even begin to take full advantage of it. Number 4. Underworld Rise of the Lycans the first two Underworld films were serviceably entertaining trash, largely thanks to Kate Beckinsale's excellent performance and Len Wiseman's slick, knowing direction. But rather than stick to what worked, the third film opted to go the prequel route, focusing on the beginnings of the vampire lycan war while relegating Beckinsale's vamp protagonist Celine to a last-minute cameo. There are two big problems with Rise of the Lycans. 
first and foremost, few but the most hardcore Underworld fans out there actually give a crap about how this daft war got started. And secondly, shifting the focus to werewolf character Lucian isn't nearly enough to conceal Beckinsale's absence, even if Michael Sheen does admittedly make every movie 10% better by default. Underworld is a franchise which thrives on giving audiences exactly what they expect, and so it's little surprise that this prequel was the lowest grossing of the original trilogy. Better still, when Beckinsale returned for the fourth film, Underworld Awakening, its box office haul was almost double that of this movie. Number 3. Dead Space Downfall Dead Space Downfall is a different kind of sci-fi prequel given that it's actually an animated prelude to a video game rather than a movie. Furthermore, it was released mere days after the original survival horror game Dead Space actually hit stores. Though the world of Dead Space is certainly rich with lore-expanding possibilities, it has to be said that Downfall is a depressingly generic origin story for the series, further hamstrung by cheap animation, atrocious dialogue, and laughable voice acting. While loaded with brutal gore and a bunch of swears, it feels too much like a film desperately trying to portray itself as mature, despite being no better written than your average fanfic. For a film overspilling with so much violence as well, it's shocking just how boring it actually is for the most part, even at just 75 merciful minutes in length. If you're thinking of watching this, just don't. Play the first two games instead. Help play the third, you'll probably still have more fun. Number 2. Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones Right, I'm at a bit of a loss here. I mean, what can be said about the Star Wars prequels that hasn't already been said? People were making YouTube videos slamming these prequels before I even knew what YouTube was. Though all three movies certainly count themselves among the weaker entries into the series' as canon, The Phantom Menace at least introduced some awesome new characters and touted a few thrilling action sequences, while Revenge of the Sith delivered a satisfyingly fanservice-laden climax. But the second movie has very few redeeming qualities and Attack of the Clones is a textbook example of the awkward middle chapter in a movie trilogy. Because, despite so much happening during the film, it is such a relentlessly dull, stamina-draining endurance trial of a sit. A huge problem is George Lucas's insistent focus on that romance between Anakin and Padme, with which its howlingly hawky dialogue and wooden acting basically resembles like a sub-lifetime movie. Combine this with an agonizing 142 minute runtime and garish aged like milk visual effects and you have the recipe for the single Star Wars prequel which well and truly sucks. Number 1. Aliens vs Predator Requiem Though Paul W.S. Anderson's original Alien vs Predator movie wasn't particularly worthwhile, it seems positively decent compared to its 2007 follow-up, Aliens vs Predator Requiem. At once a sequel to the prior Predator films and a prequel to the Alien ones, AVPR somehow manages to be an intensely forgettable film about two of the most beloved movie creatures in history beating the ever-loving snot out of each other. Like so many monster movies, there's way too much focus on the human element, made worse by some unforgivably awful dialogue. No one cares about this set of canon footage, just give us more of the Predalien or hell, literally anything else in this film. Despite boasting an R rating and offering up a slew of grisly kills, even having a young boy get chest bursted early on, Requiem is mostly fatally hobbled by how freaking dark the whole thing is, and I mean that literally. The film is graded to be so visually murky that it's tough to savor most of the violence on offer, ensuring that Requiem simply isn't just a dumb bore, but an actively frustrating thing to watch. I think Aliens put it best when it comes to this one, to be honest. Just, just nuke it from orbit. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details